0: If you begin turning to your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, Uh, if you're visiting with us, know that um, I'm not the normal preacher up here, so don't judge the whole church by what happens here this morning. And two, we usually have air conditioning, so don't allow the, uh, the elements to deter you from returning. I did put on Facebook last night that I was preaching. I always scared about doing that. Whether it's like, okay, there half the church isn't going to show. They're going to know me again. Luke chapter fourteen. And we're going to go a little bit further than this, but let, let's begin here with verses seven through eleven. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit in a place of honor. Leave someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come to you. Give your place to this person. Then you will begin to be put to shame and to take the place, the lowest of place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher, then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and its truth. Father, I pray that we would humble ourselves before it this morning, Father, that Holy Spirit would come and give us eyes to see your truth, Father, that we would listen to your word, Father, that your spirit would change us Uh, this very morning, Father, that your spirit would come and give us eyes to see your truth more and more, Father, and transform us more and more to the image of your son. We, We trust you in that and we trust in you for this morning and this time. May you receive all. Glory and honor and praise. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Well, on the surface of this is pretty simple passage, right? Jesus is trying to commend this group that he's at a little dinner party. Uh, We talked a little bit about this dinner party last week where Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. So it's a little Sunday afternoon meal. And on the surface, it, it seems quite simple. Go be humble. But those of you who know me best you'll know that I'll try to find some ways to make it more uh, confusing. Hopefully not too confusing. I mean, the simple point is true, though. If we make much of Christ and we see ourselves and our need for Christ and realize that everyone has need for his saving work, how can we not humble ourselves? How could we make much of ourselves in that situation? But we all struggle at different times with how to be Humble. Or what that really would look like. Uh, A couple of years ago, right when I first started uh, working with the seminary at Birmingham Theological Seminary, I went to the General Assembly. And the first night of that General Assembly, they had a little dinner to anybody that was somewhat related or or in in some connection to Briarwood. Because the seminary is a part of a a board-directed ministry of Briarwood, so I was invited to come to that little dinner party. And right as the meal was getting ready to get prepared, the, the pastor of Ryderwood Church, Harry Reader, got up and he was going to go through what issues the General Assembly was going to go through that year. What, what particular things were going to be needed to be voted on? What, what kind of controversies might be popping up in the presbytery at that time? And I'll, I'll never forget it because I was tight, kind of shocked because at the end of the table that I was sitting was Frank Barker who started Briarwood Church in a storefront with, you know, a handful of people, much like we started with just a handful of people. And the Lord used him to build up that church till till it's, you know, the the mothership, the home of the PCA, right, To, to where they used to be on 280, and now where they're at off of Acton Road. You know, God used Frank Barker to build up that whole church. But Frank turned to Harry and just says, well, do you have any suggestions on how we should vote? Now that seems like a very small thing, but this is the man who who was one of the founding, probably the, one of the top five voices in the starting of the PCA, and here he is turning to somebody else and saying, "Please tell me how you think I should vote." Humbling himself, even though I mean, I'm not thinking everybody's probably looking to Frank. Frank, you tell us how to vote. You're the one that deserves the honor. But no, he. He did not take that honor. He looked to somebody else. And it shows you just the, the character of humility he had. I must admit, though, when I first looked at this passage, I thought of the uh, old TV commercials with Bob Uecker. I mean, those of you around my age probably remember those. Bob Uecker was kind of a, an average baseball kind of player, and he was in a lot of commercials about 20 years ago. And he'd always come down, they'd show him trying to get a, a pretty good seat, you know, not like all the way to the front row, but kind of a pretty good seat right behind first base. And the ticket guy would always come up to him and say, sir, sir, you're sitting in the right, wrong seat. And he'd go, ah, I must be on the front row. And then the commercial would continue on and it would show later that he was actually given the back row seat because he wasn't supposed to have that place of honor. So. We need to dig a little bit deeper, though, to understand what is going on in this situation here at this dinner party when Jesus is calling these guests to be humble. Or to think a little bit more about where they choose their seats. Uh, If you look with me, beginning here at Luke 13, verse 34. Right before this dinner party, we see this statement, "O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets. And stones those who are sent to it. How often will I gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you are not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. I tell you, you will not see me until I say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So right before this dinner party, you have this passage where Jesus is trying to. He's looking over Jerusalem and he's lamenting about the condition that Jerusalem is. In large part, based on the leadership that Israel has. The leadership that Israel has been looking to. Uh, A powerful part of the passage that we looked at last week there in 14 verses 1 and 2. On the Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of the ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man who had dropsy. So there was a man there that was sick. We looked at it last week about... How Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath, trying to condemn the Pharisees' rules that they had towards Sabbath keeping. But we need to look a little bit more deeper at understanding what is going on with these Pharisees. Because Jesus is clearly directing not only the, the Pharisee that invited him throughout this passage in this dinner table, but also the other guests that are there. And when, when we look at this passage, we're reminded that although scripture is written for us, Right. All the scriptures are written for us as, as God's people. They aren't written to us, right? I mean, it's easy just to look cursorily at this passage and say, oh, Jesus is saying when I go to a dinner party, I shouldn't take the head of the table. No, it's a little bit more than that. This, this passage is written for us, but not directly to us. It was written directly initially, right, when Jesus is saying these words to the Pharisee and those who are at the dinner table. So we need to ask some important historical Questions And two things that that are really important One, we often, when we talk about Pharisees What pops into our mind are These group of people that were really legalistic About how you get into heaven, right? They they just really believe that that If we follow all these rules that we've made up then, Then we will get to go to heaven That's true as far as it goes But it's a little bit simplistic A better way to maybe understand it Is the Pharisees believe that If they could just get Israel to be really, really clean, right? Because that's how they understood holiness, right? Not just following. But but if they could get Israel to be really, really clean, then God once again would come and act on behalf of Israel and, and destroy their oppressors, right? And so Israel would now have the freedom as a nation, and those who oppressed them would no longer be there because that's how they saw salvation. Right? That, that's the other part we have to put in our minds when we think of it. They saw salvation as God coming upon Israel, driving out the invaders, and allowing Israel to once again be in the position of honor. Another thing to take into consideration is, well, we, we can actually see what, when Jesus is talking about this. If you turn back uh, to Luke uh, thirteen, um, no, Luke eleven, excuse me, Luke eleven, verse. 37 and 41. Jesus says this again, speaking with the Pharisees. While Jesus was speaking with the Pharisees, he asked them to dine with him. And we went and he reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools. Did you not? Do, excuse me. Did not he who made the outside make also the inside? But give alms those things that are within, and behold, everything will be clean for you. Right? Jesus pointing to the fact that the, the, the Pharisees wanted to clean the outside of the cup. As long as Israel was very clean, as long as they did clean stuff, as long as they avoided unclean people, the unsavoryness of, of society. If they avoided those things, then then God might come and act upon them. Now, he also speaks to the, the, the nature of this, the society as a whole. Because when we think of the, the first century culture, we also need to remember that there was a strong sense of, of shame and honor. Right? So, so Jesus initially warning them, hey, when you come to a dinner party, don't take a seat that's too good for you. Right? You take a lowly seat. You humble yourself to sit in a place so that maybe the person that invited you would come and say, no, 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 you, you need to sit in a more honorable position. And during this time, the, the, the more honorable positions would be next to the person that invited people to the party and to whoever the guest was. So you, you can imagine this, this scene. Jesus is coming on and, and all these people that were invited to the dinner party are looking around trying to figure, ooh, which one can get the good seat? Right? Which one can get the seat closest to either Jesus or the person that invited the people to the party? And he's noticing what's going on in their heart, that they really care about how everybody else in the room thinks about them, right? Because they all want to be honored. And so he, so, so he speaks to where they are initially, right? He, he wants them to realize that you really, I understand that you want to be honored. And he speaks to a, a proverb from the Old Testament, Proverbs 25, verses 6 to 7, 6 and 7. When we see this, we see Jesus is appealing not only to the Old Testament, but also to the proverb truth. Do not put yourself forward as in the king's presence or stand in the palace of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here than to be put low in the presence of the noble. Right. So, so he's appealing to their sensibilities. Right. He's appealing to to the scriptural sensibilities of you guys don't want to be put to shame. Right. You'd rather someone honor you than be put to shame. So so make sure you take the lowliest place. Right. We get that. So. But what Jesus does, he starts there, but then he flips this cultural tradition on its head. He starts where they are, but then he completely flips it on side down and he gives us more of a a different purpose. What our purpose would be in, in these situations. Let's look here. Um. Back at verse chapter 14, verse 7. It is a little hot in here. Now, he told the parable to those who were invited when he noticed how those who choose places of honor. Right. So, so he's identifying Jesus sitting there trying to notice who's trying to take those great places of honor. You know, I, th- I think we all get in those situations at times where we come to a place and we just we don't know kind of where we fit. Where, where's our social standing? Where, where do we sit at this table? And, and, and we do. We, we, I mean, that's just naturally human of us, right? To, to worry about how other people are viewing us. And Jesus is really trying to hit on, on what is on the inside of our hearts. Why? Why are we so consumed? And particularly this culture, why are they so consumed about how the others in that culture think of them? But, but we don't struggle with those things. None of us, in like, like we don't have a shame on our society today anymore. We, we, we don't really care how other people perceive us, and that's not an issue for us. But, but it's good that we have examples of, you know, just in case, right? That some, someday we might struggle a little bit with us, because... Most of us would never do that. I, uh, I heard a pastor once say recently, actually said, what other people think of you is none of your business. Now think about that. What, what if you actually went through life with, you know, again, any statement like that can be carried too far. But if you really think about it, what if you went through life and, and what other people thought of you, you just thought that was none of your business. You cared what what God has called you to do, what he would desire you to do in that situation and that you would not at all be consumed at all. You wouldn't even ever leave a meeting or leave a social event or leave a church Bible study or leave the church from Sunday morning. Even thinking, oh, I had that conversation with someone. I don't I don't know what they thought. Right. Maybe they didn't like how I dressed or how I looked. Or, or what I said. Or I didn't quite understand that point. and And we get consumed. We, we, we cripple ourselves when we are so consumed with what other people think of ourselves. This passage not only calls us to humility. But it also calls us to see the value in other people. See, Jesus starts here with, okay, none of you want to be shamed. None of you guys want to be seen as shameful. You all want to be honorable. And, and I can imagine... At that time, there, there was probably some of the people saying, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't want to be ashamed. That's a good, that's a good little piece of wisdom, Jesus. I think I'll, Rabbi, I, I think I'll do that next time. And I always want to get that honorable position next to the, to, to the guest. But, you know, I think I'm going to follow you next time. I, I get that. But then he, he starts there and then he flips it as we look further when he goes on to this next parable. Beginning in verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or the rich neighbor. At least they invite you in return and you are repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. You will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of Jesus. Now, this is probably when they began to sweat. Now, now we read that and it doesn't seem unusual, right? Jesus is always talking them to, to go and, and, and bring in the poor and the lame, right? Th- th- those things don't bother us. But in a shame-honor society, the people that Jesus refers to here were those who the Pharisees and the people of Israel believed to be shameful. Those were the people that didn't have any honor. Right. There there was a reason why they were poor. There was a reason why they were lame. There was a reason why they were sick. Right. Because they weren't clean. And so now Jesus is starting where they were. You don't want to. And now he's telling them to invite those very people that they don't want to be like. Because they want to be very clean. So God will act on their behalf. And Jesus says, no, those are the very type of people I want you to invite into my kingdom. Jesus identifies the very particular folks that they did not want to be around. Those type of folks that did not have honor in their eyes. They wanted to flee from those type of folks. But I think in this passage, then it becomes very hopeful to us. Because that means that the, the kingdom of God isn't for those people that have it all together. It isn't for those people that inherently have some honor and prestige because of their wealth or their position or how smart they are, how eloquent they are, how put together they are. That Jesus goes to those who are broken, those who are sick, those who are lame, those who are needy, and he says, The kingdom of God is for such as those. Those people will be honored. Because they understand humility. So you need to humble yourself and not think that you're really any more than them. You know, that that becomes part of it. Because sometimes when we read these passages, it's like, yeah, we should care for those people that, like in our mindset, I I think sometimes, well, well, we should really care for those people, yeah, that have less honor than us. Right? Because the the poor and and, and the sick and the the handicapped, they're not as honorable as those who have it all together. But see, Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying they do have as much honor. You don't have the honor that you think that you deserve. You need to humble yourself and realize that they are just as valuable. When we go out into the world, we need to realize that every single person that we have contact with, every single one, is recreated in the image of God. and has inherent value and worth. Whether they are lame, whether they are poor, or they're sick. Those were the people that were seen unclean in Jesus' day. So who Jesus was wrong to... Those, so who are seen as unclean to us? Who are those people that we think are unsavory in our cultural context? And Jesus would tell us, those people have a... You need to invite them. Those people that don't have anything to offer you. Those are the ones that you should care for and invite not have the party with all the best people around. Those who have nothing at all to honor. And I think this really does give us hope. And I was, I was thinking about this recently for myself and how, how often that, even in my day-to-day life, I, I do things or think of things in which, you know, I really want honor. Uh, I know a couple of you people, I told this, a couple of folks out there have heard this story from a few weeks ago. Uh, I'm going to remove names so that I'm not condemning anyone. But about a month ago, I think now, a little over, a real famous pastor kind of stole one of my photography images. Not only do I work for the seminary, but I also do commercial photography, and and, and I have uh, images on a stock site called Getty. And, and, you know, really, I don't really own it anymore, but companies and individuals will buy images from Getty and I usually get, you know, not only a royalty check, but I get a little tagline. I get a little, little honor and this extremely famous pastor, one that if I asked a poll in this crowd to name the five most famous evangelical teachers in this country, he would probably show up on 80% of your top five. So, so he wears one of these things all the time, you know, just one of the, you know, real energetic kind of guy. And when I first saw it, it's like, oh, I don't think he paid for that. I want my money, you know, honest. You know, it's like, you know, I I should get paid for that. Secondly, I thought, you know, there's no tagline. I looked, and he probably had about five hundred thousand views. He had two hundred thousand likes in like four days, and it didn't say by Brandon Robbins on there at all. Not only did he steal it from me, he didn't give me any credit, and I wanted some honor. Well, I didn't think about it. I, I didn't admit it, you know, that straightforwardly. But, you know, so I kind of did a little em- I did a little tag there at the bottom of the picture. And then I emailed uh, one of the kind of the generic email say, hey, um, I looked at my royalty list and I, I have not received payment for this image that you guys used on your, your Twitter feed. And didn't get anything. So I finally sent another email saying, um, if you use an image without permission, it is theft. If your ministry cares about stealing, please contact me. And about three days later, I got an email. Oh, uh, uh, Mr. Robbins, we're, we're very sorry for this situation. We want to get this handled. Um, the, 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 well, I'm going to call him the um, honor protector. But they called him the chief of staff of this pastor wants to get in contact with you, uh, just to you know soothe out smooth out the situation. And now that I think about, not only was I initially I was kind of seeking a little, you know, because I, I I knew I wouldn't get that much money for this. You know, it, it was probably you know a seventy-five dollar check for me financially, but two hundred thousand, you know, get my name, two hundred thousand people seeing me, I'd be you know honored. I'd be a pretty big big deal. So so my. I probably did not admit this to myself consciously, but but now that I look back, as I was getting ready to be on the phone call, you know, I probably thought I got to find some way for some acknowledgement, even though it wasn't that great of a shot. But, you know, it's an opportunity to get some prestige and some honor. And and I learned soon on the conversation with the guy that, that, yeah, he was definitely an honor protector. He he was all about protecting the honor of this pastor. He said, hey, Mr. Robbins, I, I'm real sorry for this situation. The pastor, we, we can't control anything he does. He did, I don't even know where he got that image. He doesn't realize that this is tied to people's livelihood. I'm just I'm just real sorry. Where where are you from? Alabama. Hey, can I, can I say this? Is this okay? Can I say Roll Tide? I was like, okay. Yeah, sure you can. Yeah, Roll Tide. Yeah, he was just nonstop, high energy. And he he basically said, we don't want anyone to think that Pastor X has done anything wrong. That's exactly what he said. He didn't say, yes, you're right. This was theft. We're sorry. We've gone back and, and paid for this image. And we're repenting of this sin. We're humbling ourselves before you. And we're sorry for this. He does say, I'm sorry. But he not didn't say sorry for theft. He just said, sorry for this confusion. Right? Because even those of us in ministry have a struggle with having people think, more highly of ourselves than we are. We all want a little bit of honor. And we need to realize that we shouldn't try to have that honor for ourselves. Trying to wrap this up quick because I know everybody's just just dying here. This is... I thought about doing Jonathan Edwards Center in the Hand of an Angry God and a little fire and brimstone. We are like spiders hanging from a web over the pit of fiery hell. You know, that would play well, but, you know, I decided against it. Go with what I had. So I didn't get my tagline, by the way, but they did go back and pay it for the image. And I realized, though, that I think that's really what I wanted. I wanted to be acknowledged. And, and so I know I struggle with it. And so I know we all struggle with it. I think it's important to realize that the intensity of the shame and honor society during the first century, the, of the people that Jesus was dealing with so that we can understand the passage for ourselves, but then realize that we might do it in a different way. We don't care that much about where people sit, but we do still care. We don't want to be shamed in front of people. We don't want people to think less of us. And, and we want people to honor us. We want people to. And, and part of that's not bad if, unless it's that's how you think you're going to have acceptance before the Lord your God. Because that's not what the kingdom is about. What we need to know is that the kingdom of heaven is not for those who seek to have places of honor. But those who seek to humble themselves. The kingdom of God is not for those who have something to offer, but those who can only come empty handed. The kingdom of God's reign and rule is both present now, but yet it's still future. Jesus says in that day, right? He says right there in in verse um, 14, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be well paid at the resurrection of Jesus. Humble yourselves now because you look to that day. That day where the honor of Christ will be so magnificent. We will no longer struggle with trying to make ourselves the center of attention. But we will acknowledge Jesus and give him glory for who he is and what he has done on our behalf. But it goes on there. He tells us next door that this was a riveting dinner party. I mean, can you imagine? I'm I'm sure that they were sweating much more than you are now because it's like everything this guy does. He's he's hitting us. But beginning here in verse 15. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard the things he said to him, blessed is everyone who eats the bread in the kingdom of God. Well, okay, this guy's getting it a little bit right. He, He understands that. That Jesus is referring to to some kingdom things, right? That that he's talking about. Here's what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is for those who are humble. The kingdom is for those who are willing to invite those who have nothing for them. And the kingdom is for them, right? The kingdom is actually for those who are broken. Those very people that the Pharisees have been telling you are unclean and shameful. So he gets it part right. But he said to him. Jesus again speaking in another parable. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the, uh, uh, blessed, excuse me, blessed everyone who eats bread in the kingdom of God. And he said to him, A man gave a great banquet and invited many. And at that time, the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all like began to make excuses. The first of him said, I have bought, brought, bought a field. And I must go and see to it. Please have me excused. And then another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I too have to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife. And therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry. And he said to the servant, go out quietly to the streets and to the lanes of the city And bring in the poor and the cripple and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded we have done, and there is still room. And the master, master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and to the hedges and compel the people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet." Jesus's very sobering words are also a call to give, they give us a, a greater purpose and a hope that as a church, we need to go out and call all people to Jesus. Every Jesus's people come from every tribe, tongue and nation, every social and economical status, people with every issue that you could think of. It's not for those who are like you. It's not for those people who you think are honorable, but for all men and all women. Of all types and kinds. And we should seek out and and love them. And call them to the banquet. Call them to the great feast. Call them to the Lord that we love. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father. We uh, praise you for this warm Sunday. Father, we thank you uh, for your word and how you teach us in it. Father, I just pray as a people... That we would remember to remember to humble ourselves, Father, before you and before other men. Knowing that none of us, Father, are, are greater than any others, Father. That we all need Jesus. That we are all broken in many ways. That in many ways we are blind and lame. In many ways we just need you. Father, I pray that we would realize that need. And as we realize that need, Father, we would realize how others need it too, Father, and that we are no more valuable to them. Let us be a people that humble ourselves before you and before others. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.